Right. <laughs> All right, Boker Tov. Uh, good morning. It is the 18th day in the Omer. It is also Yom HaZikaron. So our learning should be in memory of all those who have uh, given their lives to protect the people in the state of Israel. Um, we pick up, uh, today's office is Samachal, 61. We pick up towards the bottom of Samachal Bet, a little bit before the Mishnah. We were dealing with uh, somebody who says, this is your get um, from now and after 30 days. There we said there was a whole range of possibilities, whether it meant from now, whether it meant there was a question whether you mean from now or 30 days, or whether it was some ongoing type of a way in which the get took, uh, the get, I said, did I say get? I meant Kiddushin, we're comparing it to get. But anyway, an ongoing way in which the Kiddushin took place. And then the most recent mission, which is, this is your, this is your Kiddushin, I marry you, let me try that again, on the condition that, I'm not that, you give me, I give you 200 Zuz. And there, although there was some debate, overwhelmingly all the evidence is, is that Almanat means Kneach Shavdami. It's, I'm marrying you now on the condition that at some time in the future, this condition is meant. That was clearly a position of Rebbe. There was nobody, obviously, who argued on Rebbe. Many thought that, that there's a wide assumption that that's a consensus position, although there is a minority voice that that actually is a matter of debate. Okay, we pick up at the bottom of Mem Amud, Samach Amud Bet, um, right before, two lines before the lines get uh, at the bottom of the narrow lines. This is your, I'm marrying you, if I give you 200 Zeus from now to 30 days, you have to give her within 30 days, otherwise it doesn't work. Mar says, Pita, obviously that's exactly what he said. No, I might have thought, who, when he says within 30 days, it's not part of the condition. He's just saying, the condition is I'll give you 200 Zeus. Within 30 days is like a promise, or what he's doing to sort of like, you know, uh, sort of uh, urge himself, uh, you know, encourage himself to do it quickly. But it's not actually strictly part of the condition. Kamash Malanda, we don't say that, that he framed it as part of the condition. So if that's not, it's not done within 30 days, she's not Likudeshis. I'm not sure Yeshima times is, if I have 200 Zuz, she's married if he does have 200 Zuz. So the simple sense of the Mishnah is, she's married if he has. The implication being that if he doesn't have 200 Zuz, she's definitely not married. But how do you prove a negative? How do you prove that he doesn't have 200 Zuz? So you checked his bank account. So what did you do? You, you know, you looked in his wallet. How do you know? Maybe he's got it hidden in some offshore account. How can you assert obvious, that, you know, definitively that she's not married? <laughs> Cute. But, um, the Otanya, and we also taught Chashin and Shem We have a Braita that says explicitly that even if he can't bring, if, even if it doesn't seem that he has 200 Zuz, she's not definitely not married. We're concerned that, that, that he might have 200 Zuz. So the man says, Lokash, you're right. This is normally when it says Hab this and Hab that, it's like an Ukimta. But this isn't an Ukimta. This is basically saying they're all talking about the same thing. Amnesha means that if he, if, if he doesn't have 200 Zuz, she's not definitely married the Breitah clarifies that she's not definitely married but she's also not definitely not married that if since you can't prove whether the condition was met she is Suffolk married which is of course the worst of both worlds she wants to marry another man she needs a get you know um, but she cannot she's not definitively married to this man okay so you're right when you cannot prove if a Tanai has been satisfied then the result is Suffolk okay I'm going to show you 
two hundred zuz if he shows her she's married. But as he has to, Mr. Clarifies, he has to show he has to show her of his own money. He can't show her some money on like if he's a money changer and it's other people's money. That's not sufficient. The example I gave is like let's say you say you know on the condition that I will show you a house filled with jewels. He can't go ahead and take her to the uh, you know a house filled with impressionist paintings. He can't go and take her to the Metropolitan. Okay, if the implication is that it's his. All right. So the Gemara says Tana Loni when he says show you it means I'll show you my own you know that's clear from the implications I'll show you that I have it even though he didn't say the words that I have it and that's interesting right because there's a case where technically the words were satisfied but we say you know sometimes to use context it's not Tavarim Shabalev because if there's an implicit context that everybody understands then that defines it and we just showed her on a table that he was like a money changer and it wasn't his money then she's not Mekudashas Pshita obviously no. Let's say it is money, other people's money that he is investing. Okay? So that's like a, somewhat of a middle thing. It's not completely not his money. He's been given the money to invest. He has maybe a stake in the money. So he's got like, you know, I've got a billion dollars of assets that I invest in my, uh, you know, in my uh, mutual fund here. But nevertheless, it's not your billion dollars. So even though you're going to make profit off of it, okay, it's not your money. So that is not a satisfying the condition. Yes? So I was going to go for a minute back to the very first case. Yeah. Right. How could Almanat possibly not be a Tanai? No, Almanat is definitely the Tanai. But Mikan Vachloshim Yom might be more, not a, a directly part of the Tanai itself. So the concern the, of the Gemara is that the Tanai language is now counterbalanced with language that might not be a Tanai. So how much of the statement is, 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 is strictly part of the condition? I'll give you, I'll give you $100. And let's even, let, here, here's a more complicated. Let's say take a pause. I'm, I'm, I, I am a good judge on the condition. And I give you $100, pause, within 30 days, okay? So how much would you say that that's, that that's like an additional thing, like I'm promising to try to do it within 30 days, or is that a strictly a part of the condition? So the Gemara does that. It's not a big suffix, but the Gemara just clarifies that you read okay. this. The second half of that statement remains part of, a strictly part of the condition. Okay, yes? The last case, is it fundamentally because... Uh, an investment is not your money anymore or is it because of the lack of liquidity back in time? No, it's not that it's not your money anymore. It never was your money. So people gave him their money for him to invest and he gets a percentage. Oh, it's the other way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So therefore, he's showing her 200 zuz and 200 zuz that he even has certain rights to and will get certain profit out of. But it's not his 200 zuz. It's 200 zuz he was given to invest. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. Uh, now, so the Gemara says like this. Almanat, the next mission is almost the same except with a different sort of case scenarios. I'm not actually Beit Kor Afar on the condition that I have a plot of land the size of a Beit Kor, which is uh, basically it's uh, it's um, five. Um, what is it? It's um, it's uh, da, 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 um, Rashi says. Oh, thank you. Seventy-five thousand square amos. It's seventy-five thousand square amos. Okay, it's an acre. Whatever it is, we'll make that up. I don't know if it's an acre. Okay. Anyway, she's married if he actually has that amount of land. I'm not Ploni if I have a date core in a certain location. Um So it's not enough that he has. He said that it's within a certain location. So if it's in a different location, she's not married. I'm not if I show you a date Korafar, Hare Zomikudesh, she's married via Enna. And he has to show it to her. But 
it's going to be clear, just like the issue with some money before, why is he showing it to her if not implicitly means show you that I have it, not we'll just take a little trip to the country. Okay, the Imhera Bezika, if he shows her in the valley and it's not his and it's somebody else's or it's ownerless or whatever, ain't a Mekudesh, she's not. Very parallel to the discussion of the money. What's a big crop? Um, you know, about like it's a, it's a plot of land. I mean, why it says a far... Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're right, because the implication here is, as we're going to see in a minute, that the point of showing it to her, well, the point of showing it to her is to show that he has land to provide for her. So Afar does suggest, you're right, a little bit more like it's not, um, it's not, you know, fertile land. So I don't know why. Yeah, that's, that's the phrase, Beit Afar. I don't know exactly why, but that's the phrase. Um, okay, so the Gemara says, V'necho Shema Yeshlo. So again, it sounds from the Mishnah that if he doesn't have, she's not married, but uh, but why not? She should be Savik married. You can't prove that he doesn't have. And we say that in a Braita. That if he doesn't have where she's still, it's a, it's, it's a possibility that he does, and she's a Suffolk married. Like we said before, you're right. The mystery means she's not definitely married if it hasn't been fulfilled, but if you don't know if he has or not, then, I mean, you know, you can't prove a negative, so therefore, uh, she's Suffolk married. So the message why do you have to tell me essentially the same thing by land and by money the pre, the, these two Mishnayot that's because people you know hide away their money they put them in offshore accounts so therefore if he didn't if just you know even if, we, if, we, if he doesn't have we would still say because it's reasonable that there's money hidden somewhere but by land I might think that if it's not obvious that he has the land, we should assume that he definitely does not. It's harder for people to hide away, you know, to, to hide their ownership of property. It's much easier to just, you know, to, to, to secret money away. So maybe by that, so maybe by the land I would say that if he doesn't have, then she, if it doesn't seem that he has, she's Vadai Eina Mekudeshes. Kamash Mulan, that we don't say that. That in either case, if he has, she's Mekudeshes. If he, if he doesn't have, meaning if, as far as we know he doesn't have, then we don't say that she's Ain Mikudeshes, we say she's Suffolk Mikudeshes. Okay. Like get involved with all these guys. Like every single case is like shady. All right. I'm an Achi Hesli Mimakam Now, if I. What? Are we listening to the other half of the... Oh, why couldn't just tell me the land without the whatever? That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Because I was thinking, like, you could make a case that, well, land is somewhere else, and you're not somewhere else. You know, you may have inherited something from somewhere else, but that, that contradicts the whole basis for, you know, the Kali's place, the foundation for a whole body of law. Right, 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 exactly. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's a very good point. Yeah, what, why couldn't it have just told me the case by the land, and I would have known the, uh, you know, and if there I'm Haishina, and then certainly I'm Haishina, and in the case of the money. Yeah. It's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, okay, I'm an outstage If I have it in a certain place, then it's only good if the land is in that place. Pshita, obviously, that's part of the condition. No, Maybe you could say, to look, I've got the land. Well, well, what's the big deal? I said that it was, you know, 20 miles out of the city and it's 30 miles out of the city. Why, what difference does it make? Uh, the whole issue that I'm promising you, the land, saying that I have the land, is so, so you know that we have what to, I have what to provide, to, to provide, right? So it's a little bit further out. It means that it's a little bit more of a schlep to go there to harvest it and to bring it into the city. Don't worry, I'll do the schlepping. It's not a big difference. Okay, Kamash Milan, 
tough luck. That's what that's what's part of the condition. It doesn't matter if he could say this, that there's not a substantive difference. Now it's an interesting question, right? Which is is it goes back to this issue about how much you know is the uh, you know how you know how much do we go strictly by the words and how much do we apply? Thank you context. Like we see by the end when he says, "If I'll show you money, show you a bait core," going strictly by the words isn't enough. The context means it has to be his money. It has to be his plot of land. So how much could we say also? You know that's when in essentially enough if something wasn't said and we're sort of filling in something that wasn't said it's a little bit different when something was said and we're discounting it you know that I have it in this place or within 30 days and we say yeah you didn't really mean this place you didn't really mean 30 days right so that's like one question how much can we use context to discount something that was said explicitly that obviously should be a much higher threshold than to, than to put something in that wasn't said you know the other question is is about like is that it's not like there was a clear implicit understanding that when I said 30 days I didn't really mean it when I said you know when I said this place when I say this please will say this place they don't mean this place that's not the point the point isn't that context makes it clear that you meant something else but what you're actually trying to say is is that it shouldn't matter it shouldn't be a substantive part of the tonight because nobody really cares about it and if it's something that you really don't have a right to care about then it shouldn't be understood as part of the condition right so that's a different question like you know what's the Kamash Mulan of the Gemara is the Kamash Mulan of the Gemara that the woman really does care because she'd rather have land closer than further away or is the Kamash Mulan that even if the woman doesn't care, you don't get to change it. Let's say he says, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to put it, you know, it's over there, it's like 3.7 miles out of the city, and it's 3.69, or some other thing that really we could all agree nobody cares about, right? I mean, that's maybe not a good example, because that's how he defines 3.7, but you know my point, right? You know, if it was something that actually was trivial, it's the plot of land right by the red sign, and it happened to be the plot of land right by the blue sign, right? So something we could agree that nobody cares about. Is that enough to say that that's not part of the Tanai? Or do we say no? You know, nobody questions what the words meant. You said those words explicitly. There was no context to say those words meant something else. Right? So that's not clear in the Gemara what the Havamina is. What's the Kamash Milan? Is it the Kamash Milan that the woman does care? Or the Kamash Milan is it doesn't matter whether she cares or not. That was part of the condition. And it's not like context says you meant something else. Con- even with context, that's what you meant. So in the end, that remains part of the condition. Yeah, point if somebody constantly is not really saying exactly what's true. Right. You get an uneasy feeling about Well, that. that's also true. Yeah, but you're trying to make it like the person cares. I'm trying to say like, you know, honest mistake, the person doesn't care, whatever. So what? It was part of the tonight. Tonight wasn't satisfied. Mm-hmm. Right? What we've seen earlier is that if there were, if that you could add words, like when he says, I'll show it to you, he meant, I'll show you mine, because that's a place where context and the general understanding that any normal person would have would be that is what you meant. But when it's clear what you meant, but it turns out that it was a trivial point that nobody really should have any right to care about, how much does that, is, would that be a basis to say, well then, it's not part of the Tanai. Right? That's not clear in the Gemara what the Kamash Milan is. Alright, now the Gemara continues. I'm not sure Eich Beit if I show you Beit Korafar Tana Lonis Kavnazuel Again, when he says show you it doesn't mean just show you it means show you mine 
And that's why the inherent Bivika in Mikudeshet, if it's in a valley that he doesn't own, she's not Mikudeshet. Pshita, lo tshicha Similar to the case before that you're investing other people's money, here you are a sharecropper of the land. So nevertheless, even though you're a sharecropper, now that actually is a good havamina, because you didn't say, I'll show you mine. You said, I'll show you a plot of land. And maybe I just mean to promise this woman, implicit show her that I have what to support our family with. And I actually do have a sharecropping rights into this land, right? So, now it's a good havamina, you know, and maybe that was similar to the case before when I have rights to invest other people's money. Maybe I do have a way of making, making money and uh, supporting the family. So here it's really quite interesting. I never said it was mine. I just said, I'll show you the land. I just said, I'll show you the money. Show me the money. Okay? And nevertheless, we interpret it to mean that that means that you will show you her land that you fully own. Show money that's fully yours. And the fact that you have rights to it and can make a profit off of it is not a con- fulfillment of the Tanai, even though you haven't even said that you'll do that. Right? You haven't even said that it's yours. That is seen so clearly what's implicit that if it's not fully yours, you did not fulfill the Tanai. Did you have a question, Jenna? Yeah, and the, with the money, it's not yours. I'll show you. It's not, I'm going to give it to you. Right. right? So it's right. not like he has to be able to give her this money. Exactly. Right? Exactly. That but we assume... Right. right. But the point is, we assume the reason he said show was to demonstrate to her that he has the means of supporting the family but even though he never even said mine and even though he has the land he's, if he has access to it and rights to it in a way to make money off of it it's, this is what really is surprising we read in the word mine and then that has to be completely satisfied okay so it's quite interesting here how we define the tonight okay now the Gemara says the following now what defines whether you have a bait afar whether you have this amount of land you say it's easy just get out your, uh, you know, get out your uh, ruler or something, or you know, go onto Google Maps and measure it. But here we've got a question: because if somebody sanctifies his field, okay. Now the Torah says that when it's the yovel and you sanctify your field, your beitachuzah, if you your your if it's time to, if you want to redeem it from hektesh, rather than paying the market value, you pay a fixed amount. You pay, um, you know, for you pay a shekel for every plot of land that can be zera chomer seorim, the amount of land that you plant a chomer of a, a certain quantity of barley, uh, of barley seed on it. Okay, so that's the halacha. That's in the Torah. Okay, nosing bezera chomer seorim for every every plot of land the size of the plot that, that you would plant a, uh, a chomer, whatever that is, a certain quantity of barley seed on chamishim shekel kesef. I said it should be fifty shekel of kesef. That's explicit in the Torah. That's the rate of redeeming it from hektish. Now, let's say the land has crevices ten fucking deep, which is about uh, you know about three feet deep. or rocks three fucking tall. They're not measured with the land. Pachos minkan, less than that, nimdadimimah, are measured with the land. Now, basically, I'll just tell you an interesting little parenthetical point. What does it mean, measured with? Ra, you know, well, I mean, ra, you know, normally you think, what do you mean, measured with? It means measured with, but no. But, <laughs> let's say, right, here's your plot of land, okay, and here's your rock, okay? So, um, Rashi says what measured it with means is, is that not only would you sort of say, okay, so this is like, X amount of, like, you know, you would just measure, like, you know, the entire, the straight width here, but you would actually measure like this. Go up the rock and down the rock and like that. So that when you are measuring it, if it's measured with, because it's part of a flat plot of land, 
you actually, I mean, if the whole thing obviously was elevated, you would just measure the top area. But since you're basically starting here, if this is seen as part of the land, let's say it was just a mound, yeah. right? Would you just go the straight sort of, you know, width? Or would you actually say the, you know, the, the, the plot that's like, you know, the, the, that you would travel or the plot, the, the, the area that could be planted? Now, the problem is that you can't really plant on a rock. Okay, well, which we'll get to in a minute. But anyway, so that's what Rossi says. Others disagree. Others say, no, no, no. I mean, Dadim Ima just means you just pretend like it's flat and it's not there. But Aim Dadim Ima means that if this is a rock that's too tall or a crevice that's too deep, then even if this is the right size, but you have to subtract, you know, cut out that square of where the crevice is, okay, so that's more relevant to us, what the Aim Dadim Ima is, and then you don't have a big enough plot of land. All right? So you don't include, you measure the width and the length to find the area, but any, any, any space that's too tall or too deep, you have to subtract from the total area. That's any to, to cultivate the Well, here, defined by, presumably, but here, defi- well, you can't cultivate a rock, which is what we're going to get to, but here, defined by 10 fucking high or 10 fucking deep. So it's not, the shot is not necessarily too tall to cultivate, but just, it's in a different space. It's, it's not in the same, 10 fucking is considered to be the same ratios. Anything that's too high or that's too deep is its own separate location and not part of the same plot of land. Okay? So that's what it says. Aiming Dardinima. Vazina Baba, we asked. It's not sanctified as one unit with that whole plot of land. But you still said, I'm sanctifying this land. So even if you consider the rocks or the crevices different, you sanctify the whole thing. So now, fine, I got two plots of land that's sanctified. The main area and the crevice. The crevice is a different space that's sanctified. But either way, you sanctified everything. What difference does it make if you say it's part of the land or not part of the land? Okay? So the Gemara says, No, here's why it makes a difference whether you consider them part of the land or not. Ah, maybe the Torah says you pay a redemption value for every Beit Kor. Okay? That's what this Zerachomer Sorim is, I should have mentioned that, is the same Beit Kor of the Mishnah. Okay? So, right, the Mishnah says you promised to show this woman a Beit Kor. This is the comparison we're going to make. The Beit Kor is that case in the Torah of Zerachomer Sorim that you pay 50 shekel kesef. So maybe you would say, ah, what if the plot of land is less than a bait core? Maybe it doesn't go into the Torah's category of redeeming it for 50 shekel. So how much would you redeem it for? So actually, Rashi says, well, if it doesn't fit into the Torah's category, then you would redeem it for market value, which might actually wind up being more money. Okay, there's no way of knowing. But basically, the Torah says, there's a fixed amount you redeem. For every bait core, Zerachomer Seorim, you have 50 shekel. So you sanctify this plot of land. It was exactly a bait core. But then, you had to subtract the space where there was the crevices, deep crevices and tall rocks. So what difference does it make? Those crevices and rocks are sanctified by themselves. Ah! But since you don't have a full bait core that is sanctified as a unit, and also the crevices and rocks are not a bait core, maybe you go by a different way of redeeming it. Not by the 50 shekel. Maybe each thing gets redeemed based on market value. Okay? Probably more expensive. Anyway, that's, maybe that's the issue. That would be the nafkamine of whether you look at it as together or not. Someone says, that's not true. Veramida, I'll ask you on that. 
Sade. It says, when a person is makdish, it's stay achuzato. Why does it say the field? Why doesn't it just say achuzato? Ma'atam adomer, why does it have that extra word field? Kesef, 50, you know, this amount of planting a, a, a chomer of barley, the spade core for 50 shekel. Maybe it's only if it's that size land. How do you know even much smaller sizes of land? Each one of those is a smaller area measurement. That even there would be proportional to the 50 shekel. So if it would be a size, a size of land that would be a, a tenth of a bait core, it would be five shekel. How do I know you do a proportional to this amount? Pro-rate. So, pro-rate, well, proportional. Any type of field. So now we've got a question, right? What difference does it make if I say the whole thing is sanctified and it's 50 and it's a bait core and I pay 50 cash? If I say, no, 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 you can't count the rocks in the crevices. So what you really have is you have one field that's 49, excuse me, that's, uh, you know, 0.9 of a bait core and you've got this other rock or crevice that's 0.1 of a bait core and they're sanctified and they're separate units. Who cares for separate units? Each one would be redeemed in a prorated basis, it all winds up to be the same. What does it make if I call it one unit or two units? So let's see what the Gemara says. Um, Ah, so this is the point about which Joe was, uh, was was hitting on, which is is it is, whether are they is it is it plantable or not? We're talking about a crevice that is filled with water. Therefore, what that they can't be planted. Like a rock, Ah, if it can't be planted, here's the story. If it can't be planted, then you don't have to. Then, then clearly, when do I redeem based on the fifty shekel per bait core? If it's a sta- if it's a sadeh, if it's a plantable space. But if I say this rock is excluded, I've got point nine of a bait core plus a point one bait core rock. So the point nine gets redeemed based on the normal 50 shekel rate, but the point one rock or the point one red crevice filled with water does not, is not a field, right? It's not plantable, does not get redeemed based on that rate. Does it, so how much would it be redeemed for? Whatever the market value would be. I don't know how much people are paying for rocks or people are paying for crevices filled with water, but it is not a field, okay? And that's why by excluding it, you redeem the remainder of the field based on the prorated value, and this gets redeemed not as a field because it's not plantable. One minute. So then we're going to ask the obvious question. So say that even if it's less than 10 tfachim, if it's not plantable, why does it get, why does it get included in the field? So the Gemara says, um, okay, if it's less than 10 tfachim, also, why is it included in the field? It's not plantable. No. Hanu nagne da'ara mikru. If the crevice is less than 10 tfachim deep and it's filled with water, it's called like a basin of the land, like a puddle in the land. Shidra da'ara mikru, it's called the spine of the land if it's a rock. Meaning, you don't have to say, if, you, if it is incorporated into the field, it doesn't have to be that every square inch of the field is plantable. Once you look at it as a part, as a feature of the field, okay, this is a whole field that basically is plantable. We can call it a field. If it's got certain areas that are not, those are just topographical features within the field. But fundamentally, it's still all a field. So if it was not so deep or not so high, it's a whole field that's the right, that's the, the areas of bait core, and you would pay 50 shekel for the whole bait core. Because, we say, if it's too high or too deep, it's not just a piece of the field, it's a 
its separate space, once it's its separate space, then you've got a 0.9 bait core, which you redeem prorated, and then you also have a rock or a crevice, which isn't a field at all. Okay, so that's clear when in its own space, it's not included in and it's not even a field because you look at it in its own terms. When it's, when it's lower, when it's not as high and not as deep, then it's a feature of the field and then you look at the entire field as a unit and you say, this is a plantable field when you look at it as a unit, even there are certain areas on it that can't be planted and you redeem the whole field as a full base core. Okay? Uh, yeah. I've said any ways of looking at land. Does this, right. does this, does this come back in Balabatra in real estate? Uh, well, yes, we're actually going to see case very similar to it in the next. So that's by hectic. By hectic, something is not seen, a crevice is not seen as part of the bait core only if it's filled with water. Okay, but if it's not filled with water, presumably it would be part of it. Okay, now, that's by a, that's by that. Um, now, um, okay, now that's true by hectish. Gabi Mechertanan, and as Dove correctly anticipated, in Baba Basra, when it comes to selling something, we taught, see, that's, there's again that phrase, Beit Korafar. I'm going to sell you a Beit core of land. Um, if there were deep crevices or tall rocks, they're not measured with it. So what I would have to do is I would have to give you more flat land, right? If I sold you this, and this was a Beit core, and this had a big rock, and you would tell me that's not part of it, you have to give me a little bit of an extra space over here. If that rock were lower, I would say, yeah, it's all part of the same land. Don't give me a hard time. But if the rock is too high or too deep, it's its own space, and I have to give you, I promised you a bait core, I'd have to make it up with some extra land. Okay? In this case, you have to make up the land if the crevices are too deep, even if they're not filled with water. My time, away. Why is it different? Because I don't want to pay money for a field and basically, if there's a deep crevice, okay, I cannot, even if you're telling me it's not filled with water, if I want, I could plant in the crevice itself. But I, that's not how I want to do I want to do one, you know, make, you know, one set of furrows, one set of harvesting. I do not want to have to deal with a separate crevice and deal with that as a separate space in order to plant and to harvest. It's, you know, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not, you know, convenient. I don't get the economy of sort of scale or whatever, you know. So therefore, in that case, even if it's plantable, because it requires separate attention and separate effort, I can say that is not what I was meaning when I was saying I was buying a square acre. I meant a square acre that I could sort of tend to and plant and harvest as a unit. So if that's a deep crevice, and it's a sep- even if it's theoretically plantable, if it's only plantable separate, that doesn't count and you have to make it up for me you keep the crevice you make it up for me whatever for you know with a separate with a separate piece of land yes well yeah because by, by the other here the point is is that because it's a, a it's a transaction between two people into the sale I can say that clearly was what I was hoping to get out of my money whereas in the case of being of redeeming by hectares it's more like a formal question of does it fit in the Torah's definition of a you know of a bait core and as long as the whole thing is like plantable or whatever right then that's the rate in which it gets redeemed it's not a transaction in what I was sort of hoping to get out of my money right so here it's more like a meeting of a minds where it goes more by their assumptions rather than by the case of redeeming hectares where it goes more by like a formal definition so that's the basic difference which now that's what leads the Gemara then to ask the reason we're doing this setup is the Gemara says um, 
In our case, where he says, I'll show you a baked court to this woman, what would be the story if it had a crevice which was not filled with water? Which, which, which like, model would you go by? Okay? Hachamai. Do we compare it to Hektish or to Smecher? Mistavra, now based on what I just said to Jenny, you might think we would go by Mecher because it goes by the meeting of minds, right? And therefore she could say, I thought you meant a bait core that was one unit that was easy to harvest. I was expecting, you know, like that uh, you would be able to make an easy living off of it. I didn't realize it would be so difficult. It had all those deep crevices that would require all that extra effort. But nevertheless, we say, no, as long as it's not filled with water, it's fine. Why? The Look, yeah, it's an extra effort, but I'll invest the extra effort. You know, I'll plant the crevice, no problem. If it's not plantable, clearly that wasn't meant. It was meant the bait core that was plantable. But if it's plantable, even if it's deep or whatever, and it's an extra effort, I'll do it. Now, this is again interesting, right? Because this is the same type of claim that was rejected before. Remember before, when he said it'll be within a certain location and it's not, he can't say, well, don't worry, I'll make it up, I'll exert the effort. But that's when his condition wasn't met. Here, the question is, what does it define that it, is it a bait core or not? It's not the condition wasn't met, but he says, ah, don't let it bother you, I'll make it up. Here, it is a bait core based on one measure, not based on another measure. Which measure do you apply? So this would be, again, a case where you might want to look at, like, a certain type of a reasonable expectation, assumption, context. If it's, you know, if it's reasonable that he could say, look, it's good enough, it's close enough, it is technically a bait core, and I'll put in the extra effort, right? So again, that gets to that interesting question about how do you use assumptions and context to interpret what the, what the words mean. But that's different than before when actually the condition wasn't met and he's saying, don't let it bother you, it's okay. You know, I can make it up anyway. Here, it is met based on a particular definition. Jenny, you had a question about that? No, this is the first time he's sick during planting time and asked her to pull <laughs> <laughs> Right, exactly. I'll be yeah, sure. Yeah, you're, you're a big talker. You'll do the, all the effort. Yeah, go ahead. They're essentially assuming that flooded areas do not have any value here. Well, not no value, but that they're not plantable. Um, but they are plantable in rice, so oh. rice culture must not have made it. <laughs> All right, that's a good one. Always bringing in those <laughs> fascinating facts, Charlie. Yes, that's true. The idea of let the buyer beware come in here. In other words, shouldn't the fellow have looked at the land before? Why is this coming up? Um, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. Um... You know, it's an interesting question. I mean, I think I'm going to push that off till we get to Baba Basra because how much do we say let the buyer beware? And I mean, even when you say let the buyer beware, you have to satisfy the conditions of what you said, right? If it wasn't what you said, it was. So, and then the, you know, then there's a question about so so. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point, right? I, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to bracket that. That's a good question, right? About how much you sort of say any... any what, what, what you're saying is that the buyer beware means any ambiguity in what I said should be interpreted in favor of the seller, no, right? Why shouldn't the buyer be responsible? How much is the buyer responsible? Right, to check it out, the, to get out ahead of time. Buying, right? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a good question. All right, let's take a look. Next Mishnah. Okay, so that was all these on the condition that and the last thing we felt we dealt with was, you know, 
know a little bit of an interesting digression about what you know, what you know what what how, how to define a bait core, but it really touches on the broader issue about um, you know how much do you go by the literal meaning of what was said, how much do you imply employ context to add things, how much do you employ context or implicit assumptions, etc., to define what the definition of something is, and so on. Okay, now we get to a classic debate about how to formulate your conditions. Rabbi Meir Omer, Rabbi Meir said, This is a fat, big one. Any tnai that is not like the conditions that the sons of God in Reuven, you know, Moshe made with them. If you do this, you'll get the land, and if not, you won't get the land. Enotnai is not a binding condition, and therefore it means we throw out the condition, and the sale is good regardless, or the kiddushin is good regardless. Shene'emar. And Moshe said to them, you know, you know, then they will get the, then they will get this land of uh, on Abraham But if they do not go ahead armed in front of their brethren Israel, then they will then they will get with you in the land of Canaan, but they won't get this land. So he says, ah, it wasn't enough to say if they will. He had to say if they don't, they won't. So presumably, if you say if I you are married to me, if I give you two hundred zuz and you don't don't say, and you're not married to me if I don't, then whether you give 200 zuz or not, the woman is mukudeshet. If you do not double the tnai, the tnai gets thrown out. Now, actually here, there is, for anybody who's ever learned prepositional logic, there is a good reason for this, because, how much do people remember this? Say, if P, then Q, does not mean, if not P, then not Q. That's not true. What it means is, if not Q, then not P. Yeah. Okay, because if P, then Q, it means like, you know, you know, you know, if it's nice, we're going to go on a picnic. Okay? So it doesn't mean if it's not nice, we're not going to go on a picnic. If it's not nice, we'll have to discuss it. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. Depends if we can, you know, depends how not nice it is or whatever. Okay, if it's not nice, we're definitely going on a picnic. What that does mean is, if we didn't go on a picnic, right, then it wasn't, then it definitely wasn't nice. Because you told me if it was nice, we're going to go on a picnic. So we didn't go. If it's, if, 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 if it's not cute, then not be. But it does not mean that if it's not nice, we're not going on a picnic. If it's not nice, who knows? Maybe yes, maybe no. You're married to me if I give you 200 zuz. If I don't give you 200 does maybe you're still married to me okay <laughs> so therefore that's actually technically true it's not how most people talk okay but it technically is true that if you say you know anybody who talks that way uh, <laughs> okay um, I, I just have to interrupt to tell you one thing my, my brother did when we were in high school he, uh, which is we were taking a test on I think it was like a test of like prepositional logic and the uh, you know like all the pre- exact you know way you sort of frame things and the, and the the teacher had the, the test was it had this list of like statements and the, the, the answers the, the assignment the, 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 the instructions were write true by every statement that's true and false by every statement that's false so he wrote true and false by every single statement uh, because he said you didn't say write true and only true <laughs> I wrote true by every statement that's true and false by every statement I also wrote another word my head <laughs> uh, yeah that's so well like not only was I not smart enough to think of that I never would have risked my grade on something like that. But anyway, okay. So that's what Rebbe Mayer says. Rebbe Mayer says that if you say, if you say, if you say, if 
they do this, they'll get the land, they'll get Avar Yardane. Doesn't mean if they don't do it, they won't get Avar Yardane. So therefore, if you didn't make the second part of the condition, then the non-fulfillment of the condition does not negate the action. The condition is only binding if you say both the positive and the negative. Now, okay, that is the primary thing that he emphasizes. Now, that there are other things that do come up from what we learned from Tanai B'nai God of B'nai Ruvain. Another is, Rashi mentions two other things, although the Mishnah clearly is emphasizing what's called the Tanai Kafal, the double. Rashi also mentions Tanai Kodim Lamasev. If you do this, you will get the land of Canaan. If I give you 200 Zuz, you are married to me. If I say the other way, you are married to me if I give you 200 Zuz, because I stated the act first, it's therefore, even though I sort of tried afterwards to say, wait, 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 it's dependent on the following thing. Since I gave primacy to the act, you are married to me. If I give you the no, then you're married to me. The, the, tnai, the condition is not strong enough to undermine the act if it was only articulated later. Okay? That's just a technical formulation, but conceptually, what he's basically saying is, and you could sort of see this throughout, the act is so powerful, and the idea that condition can can uproot it or stop it from taking effect is a huge chiddish. So in order for it to have that power, it's got to be very, very clear that the whole act is totally conditional. It's got to be clear that if it's, that, that, you know, the conditions under which it won't take effect, you can't just imply that in a certain condition, or, you know, the negative, you can't imply from the positive. It has to be stated at the very outset as being all conditional on the following thing. If you've made the condition later, you give a little bit too much primacy to the act. The condition is not strong enough to prevent it. Rabbi Meir requires like, you know, all the, I mean, you can imagine somebody sort of saying, listen, I want to make it very clear. Only if you do this, I, you know, I'm not going, under no other circumstance will I, only if, right? So that's sort of the way he thinks. Unless you have, you, you know, you make it clear both sides, you say it ahead of time. Otherwise, the act is pa- so powerful that it will take effect regardless. Jacob, you had a I question. Like, it resonates with me in terms of human psychology. Like when I'm at camp and I say, like, to my campers, we're going to do blank if you know right. by the time I get to the if <laughs> they're like wait 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 you said we were going to do it <laughs> right right exactly right so you have to start saying listen oh, if and only if right which is sort of what Ruby Mayer is saying right okay so and the third thing Rashi says which is less as a sort of obvious why um, that it's necessary is what, what's the third thing called on um Oh, um, um, yeah, actually, is the, is the positive before the negative. If you do, I guess, it, I, yeah, that, this I don't understand as much. It's like, if, you, if I give you 200 zoos, you're married to me. If I don't give you 200 zoos, you're not married to me, right? If you say the reverse, if I don't give you 200 zoos, you're not and if I do, you are. Well, I guess it's the same point. If you end by, if I do, you are, you're ending by emphasizing that the act will take effect. And again, for him, you know, in order to make, the act is so powerful that in order to prevent it from taking effect, you have to very clearly, like in all ways, you know, sort of make it uh, show that it's tentative. So if you start by saying, if you do this, you'll marry it, and if not, you're not, you end by saying there are ways in which you're not going to be married to me. Okay, whereas if you start by the not and you end by and if you do, you are, somehow that would actually mean that it would take effect regardless. Okay, so those are the three major things for Rabbi Meir, Nai Kafel, and all of these are in Tanai B'nai Gada B'nai Ruvain, okay? Tanai Kodem Lema'atze and Hain Kodem Lulav. Okay, those are the three things, so...
if uh, you know give I give you I give you two hundred dollars you're married okay so that's Tanai coming before the Maase okay and if I don't you're not married okay so this is the Tanai Kaful it's being repeated okay and this is the Hain if I do you're married this is the Hain the yes coming before the Lav okay only when all three of those conditions are met is it going to be Wait, okay Tanai and this is Ma'aser here's Tanai Kaful because it's this and this and this is the Hain coming before the Lav Yes. That would be the Masa. That's Masa Kodem Latinai. That's, that's good. correct. But every single case we've seen, right. those aren't Rebbe Meir. And those also aren't Tanai Kuffel, those earlier Mishnayot. Yes. Now there's an interesting question. Do we pass in Rebbe Meir? And maybe we only pass in Rebbe Meir in some of these and not in all of these. Particularly Tanai Kuffel, there's a reason to think we pass in Rebbe Meir, although it's not in any of the earlier Mishnayot. Yes. That, that's actually my question. It's rare to see a Mishnah open up with, with a statement specifically attributed to Rebbe Meir. Right. Uh, because, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's true, Stam mission's Rebbe Meir, but, but also, but, but yeah. We, we don't usually identify them explicitly. Right, right, but the previous Mishnahites might not be Rebbe Meir. Okay, that's what Rebbe Meir says. No. The, the repetition here is not to tell you there's a general need for tonight Kaful. If Moshe had not said, and if you don't go over, you'll get into Nan, I, I could have anyway learned that if it didn't go over, they wouldn't get Aver Hayardain. So why did Moshe have to repeat it? For the following reason. Cain had he not said that, If Moshe had said, if you go over, you'll get Aver Hayardain, full stop, what would I have said? And if you don't go over, you'll get nothing. Okay? You won't get the part that you had, you were asking for, and you won't also get, it, you know, Eretz Canaan, because, heck, you didn't even do anything for Eretz Canaan, or whatever. That wasn't part of the deal. It was all about this. So, therefore, you didn't need a tonight Kaffel to say you wouldn't get Eber Hayarding. The reason Moshe repeated himself, he didn't repeat himself, the reason he said the flip side was to say that if you do go over, if you don't go over, at least you'll get part of Eretz Canaan. Now, some of you might be thinking, why is that fair? That's a question to ask on the Pesukim. Why are they being told that if they don't help, you know, help them fight the war, they'll get in Eretz Canaan? I mean, you know, they're sitting back doing absolutely nothing and they should get part of Eretz Canaan? So actually, Tosu says on the next Amud, that's what Rashi says, that in the end of the day, Moshe was telling them, if you don't fight, you'll get part of Canaan, which is like, why is that fair? But that's what I think you ask when you read the Psukim. So Tosu says, no, no, no. It says, Imlo yavu chalutzim Yisrael. That the basic condition was, you'll get Abraham Yardin if you go ahead and lead the charge. But if you don't lead the charge, if you don't go at the head of the army, you just participate normally, you won't get Eber HaYardin, you'll get a normal part of Eretz Canaan. Okay, so that's an interesting question about how to reach out of the Pesukim. Right? When Moshe is saying, if you don't go Chalutzin, you'll get Eretz Canaan, but not Eber HaYardin, is he saying you don't go at all? Or is he saying you don't lead the charge? Anyway, Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel is saying is that without repeating it, they would not have gotten, it would have been clear they didn't get Eber HaYardin. The flip side had to be said to say that they 
they will still get the land of Canaan. Let's take a look at the Gemara. The Gemara is a little bit confusing here. We'll do our best. Okay. Shatir Kabbalah, Rabbi Chanina ben Gamliel, Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Gamliel has a good response to Rabbi Meir that you needed to tell me that they would get part of Canaan. If the repetition was not to tell you for tonight, couple to tell you that you know that to tell you that you won't get Avahyardain, it was only to tell you you would get part of the land of Canaan. So just say if you don't pass over, they'll get with you. And that would have told me they got a portion of the land of Canaan. Right? Because that's what you're saying, Rebbe Hanina. You need to tell me they'll get land of Canaan. So just say, Be'eretz Canaan, Lamali. Why would it have to say, underscore Be'eretz Canaan? Shmamina l'tanai kafu huda'asa. This is teaching you the Tanai kafu. How is it teaching you the Tanai kafu? Because what Be'eretz Canaan means is, um, is that you will only get in the land of Canaan and not in Eber Yardin. Meaning, here's what, this is going to get a little confusing. Okay, we'll do our best. So true that the green marker doesn't erase well. Somebody said this is like a din in green markers. Okay, anyway. So, okay. So, in Yavru, what is it? And then it's, um, then what's the end of the Pasuk, Dove? No, if they are Yavru. Eretz I don't know, something. Okay, anyway. Okay, in Yavru here, we'll draw a little map of Israel. Excuse my art, lack of artistry. Okay, so here's the Canaan, and here's... What? What'd you say? A very political map. Okay, anyway. Well, okay, so, in Yavru, they'll get Eretz HaGilad. Okay? Senasatem lachem lachem Eretz HaGilad Okay. So, they'll get Eretz HaGilad. Now, in Lo Yavru, now remember, Rav, May, Rav Meir says, okay, that, that without saying uh, Tznai Kofu, they would have got, they would still have gotten Eretz HaGilad. Okay? And Rabbi Hanina Begum Leal says, no, 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 no. It had to say it, not to say they won't get Eretz HaGilad. That was implicit. It had to say it to tell them they would get Eretz Kanan. Okay, so Rabbi Meir says, if it just says, let's say and then that tells me that they'll get Canaan. Why does it say the Eretz Canaan? What does those extra words add? Because I already would have known Canaan. It means that had it not said those words, then if it just said I of course would have said the, the absurd conclusion that they'll still get Eretz Gilad and they'll get. Because, again, without saying, if you don't have a Tanai Kaffel, then the first thing remains true. Okay? So they're going to get Eretz Gilad V'achuzah, and if they don't pass over, they'll also get Eretz Kinnan. <laughs> That's not what I would have read it. Okay? And so if you're right, Rabbi, Rabbi, Hanina, Rabbi Hanina, then uh, that, that implicitly this would have been rejected, and all that would have been with this, you wouldn't have needed these words. Why do you need these words? Because these words are saying only Eretz Kena'an and not Gil'ad. Okay? So, so that shows you that you need to reject the original condition explicitly. Okay? If you did not need to reject the original condition explicitly, if that would be implicitly rejected, just say that would have meant Kena'an, yes, Gil'ad, no. The fact that you needed to underscore only Eretz Kena'an means that... 
Otherwise, the original condition would not have been rejected, and they would have been entitled to Gilad as well. And this was needed to tell me only Canaan, not Gilad, to reject the original condition. Yes. The problem that seems to me with that is that Eric Canaan isn't a rejection. Like, it's not phrased as a law. It's phrased as a different sort of thing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, but this is getting to the point where you're doing extra phrases, you know, and we're saying, are teaching you extra things, and it's not explicitly part of the stipulation. You're right. I mean, you could have said, Eskenaz just saying, yes, it's not saying no to Eretz Right. That's correct. But, you know, we're doing our best here. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's keep on going. So the Gemara says like this. Rabbi Kanina ben Gamliel, I would say back to you, no. Evo Kazarachman of Kanan, no, you're wrong. We would have anyway, anyway known that Gilad is rejected. So if we would have known that Gilad is rejected implicitly, because that's the nature even of a single Tanai, why do you have to say Beretz Kanan? He would say, Evo Kazarachman of Kanan, have Amina, Venoch Zubetokachem, Beretz Gilad, because I would have said Betokachem didn't mean Kanan. Uh, who says what Betokachem means? I would have said Betokachem meant Gilad. Of course, if it means Gilad, then what's the two sides of the condition? Ah, because here is you get all of the Gilad to yourself. But if you're not Yavru, then you're equal partners in the Gilad. Bitochechem. So I would not have said that it meant Kanan. I would have said it meant you'll be equal partners in the Gilad. But I would not have said that they get a portion in Kanan. Okay? Avo Eretz Kanan Kualo. So that's why I had to say Eretz Kanan. So j- just the Tanai implicitly means that the Tanai isn't met, they do not get all of Gilad. Okay? But this could not have just... But we have to tell me that they get Kanan. And if you just said this, it would have meant a piece of the Gilad. So I'd have to say Eretz Kanan to tell me that they get the Kanan, that they don't... that they also are entitled to some of Kanan. Rebbe Meir, Rebbe Meir would say back, no. Betochechem kol hecha da'asa luchumashma. No, 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 no. Betochechem means wherever you have... So, with just this, just this would have meant you get a portion in Canaan and in Gilad. Okay? That means wherever you might be. So, without, if, 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 if that's all this was coming to do, this by itself would have told me what you, read, what you, you know, Rebbe Hanina think. So, that means since Bnei Israel would have Gilad and Canaan, they would have part of Gilad and Canaan. So, why did it say to say Beretz Canaan? Because Beretz Canaan is limiting and it's telling me not you get a portion where everybody gets, you only get Canaan, you don't get any of Gilad. And that's because you need to explicitly reject the first statement, the first tonight. Without rejecting the first tonight, then that's still in effect. And they would still have been entitled to the gear on. Okay? I hope you got the basic sense of that. We're going to move on. Okay. Tanya, we taught in the Bryce out. I'm already Hanita Ben Leo. Um, when this thing he's trying to demonstrate how you had to say did not was not meant to reject Gilad but to entitle them to a portion of the land of Canaan okay the guy was distributing on his deathbed his property to his kids Reuven will get such and such a field and Shimon will get such a field and Levi if he gives 200 zuz to, I don't know, to charity, to the estate, then he'll get field number three. Now, if he had not said anything else, if he had just ended there, you would have thought that what? That if he doesn't give, right, maybe he's out of an inheritance altogether. 
So then he says, no, if he doesn't give, then he'll have a portion with his other brothers. So, I mean, this is his way of illustrating that the reason you had to say the, the second part is not to say he doesn't get the field. It's obvious he doesn't get the field if he doesn't give the 200 zuz. But to say is, is that he still gets a portion with everybody else. He still gets a piece of everything else. He gets part of the land of Canaan. Okay, Migan Loli Rashi what allowed him to have a portion with his brothers, Bashar Nechassim, the repetition, the flip side. So the reason Moshe said was not to say they don't get Gilad, it was to say they do get a piece of Canaan. So Gemara says, one minute. And it's not similar to our Mishnah. And our mission says that if he had Moshe not repeated the Tznai, they wouldn't have had any part of the land of Canaan. So that means, he says, means that when they do, it means that in the end, what would they have gotten had they not gone and fought? They would have gotten an equal portion in Canaan and a portion in Gilad. Right? Because they would have gotten both. They would have gotten all of Gilad, but they would have gotten a piece of everything. Okay? Here, the repetition gives him a portion with the remainder. It's only going to help him for the rest. This is getting a little bit complicated, but the basic point is, what would I have said had I, had I not had this repetition? Had I not had this repetition, would I have said that they get nothing, right? And this repetition tells me that they get Gil'ad and Canaan, they get a piece, an equal piece of everything. Okay, that's what the mission sounds like. Afwer it's Canaan. This repetition tells me they get a little piece of everything. Or would I have said that without the repetition, they're still going to get a piece of Gil'ad, but I didn't know that they would get any part of Canaan. It's a little confusing. Let's just finish this point. It might sound like this. No kasha. Ha mikmi denemele rebi meyev enochzu, ha labasu denemele rebi meyev enochzu. The difference is, is the phrase v'nochazu. V'nochazu establishes that by itself, before Eretz Kena'an, that they would have had a part of the Gil'ad. The Eretz Kena'an added the part that they also would have gotten a part of the Kena'an. So, bottom line is that for Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel, he says, look, without any of the phrase, I would have known that they would not have gotten all of the Gil'ad to themselves. I would have started with the assumption that they get nothing Absolutely nothing, okay? Because they weren't promised Canaan. The, the, all you need is one half of the Tanai. Without that Tanai, they get nothing. The Nochzu Betochachem would have told me they get an equal part of the Gilad. That's the first thing it needed to do, to tell me an equal part of the Gilad. Second thing, Baratz Canaan told me they get an equal part of Eretz Canaan. But this whole thing is needed to tell me they do get some part of this. But to say they don't get all the Gilad that they were promised, that's obvious from the get-go. Okay? And Rabbi Meir says, no! If they'd not done anything here, even had they not fulfilled their condition, they would have gotten all of the Gilad. You needed it to be repeated to reject the promise of the first part of the condition. Whereas the Bukhanim Bukhamil says, no, obviously they wouldn't have gotten all the Gilad. This is needed to say they get a piece of this and that they get a piece of that. Okay? So we're done with now parsing the Psukim. Tomorrow we will continue just working out the idea of double condition according to Rebbe Mayer. Okay? So to be continued tomorrow.